0: Um, But yeah, I'm super excited, really honored to be here once again, um, because I get to talk about Jesus. I know that we've been uh, going on certain aspects or characteristics of Jesus, and I get to touch on something that I think is really powerful, which is Jesus the miracle worker. Amen? Amen. Jesus is still in the business of doing miracles today. It's not just what we see in the scripture, but he continuously does miracles on a daily basis. That's what I believe, at least, and I believe he can do it in your life as well. Amen? Amen. All right, so let's dig into the word. So if you guys have your Bibles and you want to go to Mark 10, uh, verses 46 to 52, um, You can start there, so turn on your Bible. I think it's going to be up here too, so uh, you guys can follow along there as well. So this is what the scripture says. So it says, Then they came to Jericho, and and as he was leaving Jericho with his disciples, and a large crowd, a blind beggar named Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, was sitting by the road. When he heard that it was Jesus the Nazarene, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Many were sternly telling him to be quiet, but he kept crying out all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stopped and said, call him here. So they called the blind man, saying to him, take courage, stand up. He is calling for you. Throwing aside his cloak... He jumped up and came to Jesus, and answering him, Jesus said, What do you want me to do for you? And the blind man said to him, Rabbani, I want to regain regain my sight. And Jesus said to him, Go, your faith has made you well. Immediately he regained his sight and began following him on the road. I'm just going to do a quick prayer. Is that okay with you guys? All right. Uh, Thank you, Lord, just for this evening. Thank you for your presence in this place, Lord. Thank you for your word that is truth. I just pray that you just speak into our hearts, Lord, this evening, that you just um, do something different in our lives, Lord, that we may come out of this place with greater faith and a greater understanding of who you are to us, Father. And we just love you. Holy Spirit, keep doing your thing. Uh, And, yeah, just uh, I trust you. Uh, I know that you're going to do what you need to do. In Jesus' name, we all say... Amen. So throughout uh, our time together, I'm going to be going through uh, a few different stories, but this is the first one. So we are talking about Jesus, the miracle worker. So of course, we have to define like what is a miracle. So like anybody else would do, I Googled it, right? That's the thing to do. We Google everything. So it said the definition, it actually said biblical definition so that yeah, that was pretty interesting. So it says uh, the definition of miracle is an effect or extraordinary event in the physical world that surpasses all known human or natural powers as is ascribed to a supernatural cause. So it's something that cannot be explained here in the natural world. But for myself, I believe that the explanation of a miracle is Jesus Christ. And we see this within scripture. So, Uh, it's really interesting if you do uh, some research. There are actually 37 accounts of Jesus doing miracles within um, uh, the towns that he was visiting. Not saying that he only did 37 uh, miracles, but there are different uh, types of miracles that he did. Some of them said that uh, he did miracles and wonders among the people, and that was like one of the accounts that uh, he went through. So there are a number of accounts of Jesus being the miracle-working God. And like I mentioned before, I truly believe that Jesus is still in the business of doing miracles. And you know what the beautiful beautiful thing about God is? That he's very different in the way that he does it. He doesn't limit himself to just like physical miracles or uh, things of that nature. But the way I see it is that God uh, provides Physical miracles, yes, but also he restores people. He heals people. Um, in like inner healing, like emotionally, uh, emotional healing, uh, mental healings. He does every type of healing. It's not financial healing as well. I mean, some after Black Friday, some of us are probably hurting in the pockets, need a miracle in the bank. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so there's different types of miracles that God can do in your life because He is a miracle-working God, and I say this through experience, but also of what I read in the scripture. Um, The awesome thing is that Jesus doesn't stop at this 37 miracles, that he continues to do it every single day, and my conviction is what I truly believe is that we have to have faith in Jesus because he is the source of all miracles. He is the miracle-working God. So my first point, if you guys want to jot down notes. So like I heard this one statistic from another preacher. I can't remember who it is. But they said that if you guys write down notes, you have a 70% higher chance of getting into heaven. So just throwing that out there. (laughs) I'm totally kidding. But all that to say is that I encourage you guys to write notes. Um, So the first thing, the first point is Jesus, the miracle worker. And it's going to be kind of redundant in the first Points, but that's just because I kind of want to get this across your minds like Jesus, the miracle worker, and you'll see the other point. But so, what's happening in this point? So, at this point of time, just to give you a little bit of historical background, um, it was near Passover time. So, uh, Jesus was actually leaving Jericho, and most likely, he already had a really large group of people with him. So, uh, when he left Jericho, he actually had a greater amount of people. Um, that were with him during the Passover time, because during that time, there would be people from Galilee and Perea that would pass through Jericho um, to go to Jerusalem. So he started with a large number of people and left with an even greater number of people. So once again, it was a very large crowd that was following Jesus. And then we have here Bartimaeus, who is the blind man and a beggar, uh, which we even see... uh, There's proof that he's blind in Luke uh, 18 to 37 as well that says they told him that Jesus of Nazareth was was passing by. Which, of course, if you are blind, you won't be able to see him. So there were people that were there to tell him what was happening in that situation. So this blind man, he had like one of the worst conditions in society that you can have during this time because he wasn't able to do anything. Maybe he would have, he might be physically able to do some things uh, but because he couldn't see, there was a lot of labor work that he wasn't able to do. So he was in poverty, which is why he was a beggar. He had to rely on asking other people uh, for money and so forth so he can, like, live through the day. Um, so once again, this is a situation that is, was not ideal for anybody in this time. Um, but him, hearing that Jesus was coming, he began to cry out for mercy, which is amazing because He calls out and says, son of David, right away. It's not even like, it doesn't say that he was questioning. It doesn't say that, you know, is this the son of David? Is this the Messiah that, you know, was supposed to come and heal the blind and so forth? So it's surprising to me how this blind man that has never seen Jesus, had never seen a miracle, only heard about what was being spoken of Jesus, saw more of Jesus than the people that actually saw what he was doing. So this definitely makes Jesus unlike any other person that we read about in history because this blind man was able to recognize who Jesus was even though he couldn't see. Amen. Y'all tracking with me? Amen. All right. So by Bartimaeus, once again yelling, Son of David, in this moment, he was confessing and crying out that he knew who the Messiah was, that he knew where his miracle would come from. And it's funny because during this time it says that when he cried out for mercy, the people told him to be quiet. You know they were like, "Hey, why 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 are you yelling? Like, stop. Stop yelling." And and it's funny because during that time, those people that would yell in certain times like this would be considered a distraction or, you know, somebody that's not worthy of of catching the attention of the rabbi. So but what's funny is that even though they told him be quiet to be quiet he kept crying louder and louder that's what it says that he cried all the more so Jesus could hear him And as he screamed even louder, it says that Jesus heard his cry for mercy, and the man was brought to Jesus so that he could be healed. And I want to tell you guys that in the same way, when we cry out to Jesus, when we cry out for mercy, when we cry out for a miracle, Jesus will also hear us. The thing that I noticed most about this blind beggar, Bartimaeus, was that he was persistent. Like, people told him to be quiet, but he said, "Nah, I'm going to be louder because I need my miracle. So if you have a situation that you're crying out to God for, and maybe you haven't heard it yet, yet being the main word, keep crying out to God. Keep crying out for his mercy. Keep crying out for the healing. Keep crying out for the healing in your finances. Keep crying out for your emotional healing, for that broken heart that you may have. God will answer your prayers. You just have to keep crying out. So the point number two is that his, this man's miracle was met by his faith. And it's funny as we were like singing that, uh, I think the song before it was, um, it, it was literally saying that by faith I see a miracle. And that's the only way that we can literally have a miracle by God is when we have faith and trust in him. So as Bartimaeus cried out for mercy, cried out uh, to the son of David, once again, he was in a state of misery. He was not in a place where anybody wanted to be but decided, that he didn't care about what other people thought and decided to cry out in faith which is the most important thing that we can have when we want a miracle is faith in Jesus Christ and the the crazy thing is that like I mentioned is that during this time of opposition that he was facing as the The you know people were telling him to be quiet because whether he was a distraction um, or whether he was just crying out of place, um, it even says at point uh, if you look like look at different things or commentaries, however different biblical research um, things. Um, it says that some people were even annoyed because he was declaring by saying son of David have mercy on me he was declaring that he was the Messiah and it bothered a lot of the people that were in that area so he cried even louder and it it I truly believe that he knew that Jesus was the Messiah and had faith in that because when he cried out, it says that he might have been reciting Isaiah 35.5, which actually says that the Messiah would come and open the eyes of the blind. It even says it at some points that he had um, uh, possibly the spirit of Jacob which would which was his persistency Jacob wrestled with God for his blessing and this man also cried out to God for his blessing for his miracle for his healing so Jesus heard his cry his persistency that also uh, even though people told him to be quiet this showed that God had mercy, had grace, had healing and miracle working power for everybody that cried out for him. Not just the Pharisees, not just the people that seemed to be righteous, but those that were truly in the bottom low of society. God was showing that he was for them as well. And that's the same thing today. God is not interested in just working the people that maybe go to church every Sunday. He's not just interested in those people that, you know, um, uh, may seem like they're uh, more righteous, whatever it may be. But God is interested in every person's soul, everybody's miracle. It's just a matter of having faith. We need that faith. Even I think of like Matthew 7, 7 that says, ask And we will receive, seek and you will find, knock and the door will be open. And what I notice about those three things is that they require action, right? You know, asking, praying to God, seeking. When when you're seeking, you're literally trying to find something, you're looking for the answer somewhere. Knocking, you're knocking on doors. Like those are all things that require actions. And at many times, instead of going to Jesus, the miracle worker, the source of all beings, We try to look for the answers for a miracle in other people, in other things. We tend to look for them in the advice of those that maybe have never experienced Jesus Christ. We tend to look for the answers when in reality all the answers we have are in the scripture, are in the life of Jesus. Amen? Amen. Amen. All right, so... Moving on, we, like I said, I was going to mention a few stories. We have another story here, which goes back to Jesus, the miracle worker. So that's the third point. I said I was going to be a little repetitive on those, but it's, so you guys can understand the point. Amen? So uh, this story is in Matthew nine, eighteen to 24. So it says this, and I think they're going to have it, yeah. So it says, while he was saying this, A synagogue leader came and knelt before him and said, My daughter has just died, but come and put your hand on her and she will live. Jesus got up and went with him. And so did his disciples. Just then a woman who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years came up behind him and touched the edge of his cloak. She said to herself, If only I touch his cloak, I will be healed. Jesus turned and saw her. Take heart, daughter, he said. Your faith has healed you. And the woman was healed at that moment. When Jesus entered the synagogue leader's house and saw the noisy crowd and the people playing pipes, he said, Go away. The girl is not dead, but asleep. But they laughed at him after the crowd had been put outside. He went in and took the girl by the hand, and she got up. News of, the, of this spread through all the region. So here we, we have two situations. So situation one is that this man has a problem, um, and uh, he brought it to Jesus. He told him that his daughter had just died. Uh, he, was, he was a desperate father who wanted his daughter to be alive. Obviously, what father, what parent wouldn't want their daughter to be alive or their son to be alive? So uh, he comes with a broken heart and he came to the person who he heard about doing miracles. Maybe he even heard there was a story in Luke 7 that, had, uh, that also mentions of a boy being resurrected from the dead. And maybe he heard that story from somebody else. Uh, we don't know, but this father was in need of a miracle. The second is the woman that had the sickness for 12 years. Um, and she, at this point, she had probably tried so many different things. She tried different medicines, um, different, I, I don't even know. Uh, maybe she tried palm readings. Who knows at that point? Like, you know, it was a crazy time back then. So, uh, But she tried, I, I'm sure she tried everything. And then she came to the person who had, um, who she had heard about doing miracles beforehand. Um, and there was nobody in that point to provide her hope. There was nobody to help her out. There was nobody that wanted to be in contact with her even because uh, it was just, uh, you, when somebody had that type of sickness, nobody wanted to be near them. So she was also desperate for a miracle. And there was... Nothing that could heal her, but she heard of a possibility, which was Jesus Christ and the things that he was doing in her town. So these are genuine, genuine miracles that these people needed, uh, that they were asking for. It wasn't... Like, a, a jokely miracle where, like, Lord, help me pass this test even though I didn't study for it. Like, I need this miracle from you. Or, Lord, help me win the lottery. Or, Lord, I pray that my team wins the, I don't know, super, I don't even watch football, but super, super Bowl, NBA championship, let's go Lakers. I truly believe God answers those prayers, though, you know? <laughs> I'm kidding. But they, these were genuine miracles. They weren't like your losing team type of miracle or you didn't study for your test. Type of miracle. They needed some sort of thing to happen in their life that cannot be provided by humankind. That cannot be provided by any doctor at this point. Um, their need could only be met by God. So once again, their miracles at this point were met by faith. So what's crazy about these stories is, or these stories are, that when I read them, um, there's no hesitation when it comes to asking or, or, or reaching out to God. They didn't ask any questions. They didn't ask Jesus, like, are you really the Messiah? They didn't ask the people around them, uh, is this really uh, the one who came to save us? Is this really the person that we've heard about? Uh, wh- when I read what they, what they said, I, I literally read that they were making declarations. That they told Jesus what they knew would happen if he would come to their house and pray over his daughter. If she would just touch the edge of his cloak, she knew what would happen. In verse 18, as we read, it says, My daughter has just died, but come and put your hand on her and she will live. That's the declaration. Verse 21, she said to herself, If I only touch his cloak, I will be healed. What does this mean for us? This means that when we need a miracle from God, we also have to declare it over our lives. Whatever it is that you need God to fix, it's not just a matter of asking, but it's a matter of declaring in faith. Whether it's a debt issue, whether it's a health issue, whether it's a blind issue, a heart issue, a hearing issue, a financial issue, God can do it all, but you have to declare it in faith. You have to declare what's yours. And we even see this throughout scripture when God heals the blind. Uh, as we read, have mercy on me, son of David. He was declaring that moment that he was the Messiah. There's other stories where a man with leprosy was healed and he said, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. A declaration. The, uh, another a centurion servant that says, This is why I did not even consider myself worthy to come to you, but say the word and my servant will be healed. So this means that declaration equals faith and your faith equals a miracle. Amen? Say it. I I can say it again. (laughs) Your declaration is your faith and your faith equals your miracle. So in order to declare, in order for you to show God that you have faith, you have to learn to declare certain things over your life. Amen? But what's also important to have that I see within the story of, of Jesus coming to, um, this, uh, to uh, raise this girl from the dead, uh, this father who had lost his daughter. Um, there's something really interesting about the rest of this story. And uh, it says this, so, uh, as we read before, but I'm just going to reiterate it. So, uh, when Jesus entered the synagogue leader's house and saw the noisy crowd and people playing pipes, he said, go away, leave, this girl is not dead, but asleep. But they laughed at him. After the crowd had been put outside, he went in and took the girl by the hand and she got up. News uh, of this spread through all the region. Right? So this is the next point. That you have to have people of faith around you. Okay? So you have to have people of faith around you. So within this this context, noisy crowds usually means that there were people that were mourning. Um, there was possibly a morning ceremony so uh, it was just something that they did during that time people would gather together it was a custom when somebody would pass away they would go and, and have a, a, like a mo- morning uh, um, and it's not morning like the daytime it's like crying ah, woo, you know like I don't know if you cry like that woo but like wah whatever it may be but there was so, there was mourning there was there was heartbreak involved right but it's crazy because as soon as Jesus came in and, you know, they want, he wanted to do the miracle, um, they went from crying to laughing. So these are some fake people right here. I'm just going to throw that out there. They were, yeah, they were there. She was dead, support. But as soon as somebody with faith came in and said, this man is going to heal my daughter, they started laughing. So they were doubters. They didn't believe that Jesus could give or provide this miracle for his daughter. Or for their friend. And what this shows me it says that he put them out. He took them outside and sometimes we ourselves have to remove people out of our environment if we want to let God do what he needs to do. We can't have people in our life that are creating doubt, that are uh, that that don't produce faith in you, because it's not going to produce the miracle that God wants to do. You need the real people in your life. You don't need fake people in your life. Amen. So you have to surround yourself with the right community, with Coin Church. We have man, we have amazing people here at Coin Church that are faith-filled, God-fearing people. Um, and, and you have to be able to be in, an, in the right atmosphere where you can tell doubters to get out that don't help the situation. And I, I can even prove that that when there is doubt, when there is no faith, that God won't be able to do what he wants to do. It says um, in Matthew thirteen fifty three to 58, it says when Jesus had finished these parables, he moved on from there. Coming to his hometown... He began teaching the people in their synagogue, and they were amazed. Where did this man get this wisdom and these miraculous powers? They asked, isn't this the carpenter's son? Isn't this his mother's name, Mary? Uh, Isn't his mother's name, Mary? And aren't his brothers, James, Joseph, Simon, and Judas, aren't all his sisters with us? Where then did this man get all these things? And they took offense at him. And Jesus said to them, a prophet is not without honor except in his own town and is in his own home. And then it ends with this. And he did not do many miracles there because of their lack of faith. This sounds pretty familiar to what we kind of just read. That Jesus had to put those doubters out in order to do that miracle, we have to surround ourselves with people of faith, not people of doubt. So when you come across people that have doubt, when you, you know how you can tell if somebody has faith or, or you're the right group of people? Like, when you have a situation, if, I, I mean, this is just from my experience, if they just tell you, oh, it's all good, blah, 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 it'll be okay, type thing, like, for me, that doesn't do it. But if I have a friend, that tells me, I, you know, something just happened in my life or I need a miracle for something, if they tell me, hey, let's pray about it or, hey, I'm going to be praying for you, that's how you know you're in the right environment. You need those type of people in your life that can build you up, that can build up your faith so God can do a miracle in your life. So make sure that you choose the right people, that you put out the doubters, that you tell them to get out so God can do that miracle. And I'm going to ask you guys to stand to your feet for this last one. I'm going to ask the worship team to come up as well. Like I said, I'm not a crazy long preacher or anything like that, but I, I like to get to the point. But I-, I want to touch on this last thing, which is the last point, the greatest miracle of all. So we're here um, worshiping Jesus, amen. We're here because of Jesus. And um, so a few years, uh, I want to say three or four years ago, uh, my grandma, she actually, she passed away on my mom's side. Um, But she was not a believer. Um, And it's kind of crazy because, like, my dad's side of the family is, like, super Christian. And then my mom's side of the family, not so much. Like, even so much, my grandma was, like, into witchcraft and all that stuff. Um, so that's like the lifestyle that she lived. Um, and then one day, uh, she, was, she was not even that old. She was like in her mid-60s, I want to say. Um, uh, you know, she came down with an, an illness, um, and she wasn't able to recover. Um, but the amazing thing is that through all of this time of us trying to preach the gospel to her, trying to get her to accept Jesus as her Lord and Savior... Um, She hadn't done it for many years, but at her, uh, I mean, at her deathbed, she finally, uh, within those last moments, she was able to accept Jesus Christ as her Lord and Savior. And for me, that is the biggest miracle that any of us can ever ask for. That's the biggest miracle that I have in my life, that Jesus died on the cross for us. That not only died, but resurrected on the third day so that we can have life. You guys are all here because of Jesus Christ. you all living because of Jesus Christ. It's not out of coincidence. It's not just out of luck. But you are all here because what Jesus did for all of us. The greatest miracle of all time. One of the greatest phrases I will ever hear in scripture is, the tomb is empty. The tomb is empty. Jesus resurrected. And he did it for us because he loved us so much. It says in 2 Corinthians 5.21, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. So, because of Jesus, the greatest miracle we ever we can ever have is in us today. And that not only means that it's just for us, but Jesus, because of that, actually empowered us to do great things. In scripture, it says that we shall do greater things than he did. And what what this means is that we're we're gonna there's so many. Christians now in the world, we should be doing incredible things for the kingdom of God. We should be uh, providing um, uh, different social services for the world. We should be feeding the hungry. We should be creating more water wells, all that stuff. These are all miracles that we can do uh, through Jesus Christ, through the love of Jesus Christ. But this also means that we have the ability through the power of the Holy Spirit to also heal the lame, to pray for the blind, to pray for the deaf, Those are all things that are available to all of us through the miracle of Jesus Christ, the cross, and the resurrection. So we are all empowered here to do something with the life that Jesus Christ has given us. Amen? We all have a purpose. We all have a calling Jesus will work in our life. We have to have faith in him, but we also have a responsibility because what he did on the cross for us. Amen? I'm going to ask you guys to lift your hands. I'm going to let the worship team uh, start playing in the background, but I want to say a prayer for you guys. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for your faithfulness. Thank you for your miracle working power, Father. And Jesus, I just pray in this moment, Lord, anybody who is in need of a miracle, Lord, that you will answer their prayers in the name of Jesus. That they may declare, Lord God, wholeheartedly that you can provide that miracle in the name of Jesus. We trust you, Lord, because you are loving, Father, because you are glorious, Lord, because we see your hand move throughout the nations, Lord, on a daily basis, Father, because you do not leave us alone, God. You are our shelter, Lord Jesus. You are a provider, Father, and we trust in you, God. We trust in you, Jesus. We trust in you for miracles, the source of all power, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Praise you, God.